I want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to take a sabbatical this year. Been back about six weeks, and I can't begin to express my gratitude or how important it was to have that pause, we'll call it, from my responsibilities here at FBC. I'm so thankful that Vicki and I were able to share part of that time away together. I have memories I will forever treasure. Three specific goals of my sabbatical were rest, reflection, spiritual renewal. So for the most part, I feel that the three were achieved, but not as I had imagined. So part of the plan was to use my study time to be a certified life coach. I thought, hey, this will be a helpful tool to put in my box. A new way to serve better as a pastor. Wow. I had absolutely no idea what I signed up for. (laughs) It was one of the most stretching and stressful times uh, that I had been through in years. But God, as only God can do, he used that training to teach me some crucial life lessons. I was forced to face truth about myself and how I was doing ministry. Jeremiah 17, 9 came to mind. The heart is deceitful above all things. Hmm. Who I thought I was didn't line up completely straight with who I really am or how others perceive me to be. So in the few minutes we have together this morning, I'll spare you all the details of how that happened. But I'd like to share some of the lessons I've learned and continue to learn in the context of a very familiar chapter of the Bible. I was looking back at the message I preached before I left in January, and I said this, I don't plan to come back making major changes as to what I do. My prayer is that I would be changed. I would return with a deeper love for Christ and for you, unquote. Well, I believe God is answering that prayer. Because I can stand here today and say that I am more amazed than ever by God's incredible love. 1 John 3, 1 says this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, exclamation point. I love that picture. His love lavished over us. Do you feel that this morning? That you love that much? That he poured out his love all over you. In that same book, John says this. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And, of course, we have the great commandment, don't we? We'll put that up on on the screen. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus goes on to say, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Commandment, it's singular, they go together. You can't separate those. So if I can stand here today and I'm just getting overwhelmed by God's love, then that should turn my heart, right, to return that love to him. And that, in turn, allows that love to flow through me to you and you to me. And we love one another. It all goes together. You can't separate those. One of the things I really missed uh, when I was away was our times to, to meet together, to gather together, to, to be able to do this. Um, and I was reminded just how much I need you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 talk about, don't, don't forsake the gathering together, right? Be, be together as, as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we, that we need each other. We need each other to spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Because it's together we learn how to put love into practice, Isn't that what we did this last week? We didn't go out as individuals. It wasn't just me doing something or you doing something. It was us together as a church. We worked together, loving each other, loving others. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, God has shown me that his purpose and plan is much less about me. And much, much more about us. Oh, God loves his church. He adores his church. We are the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, and and Glenn read this uh, this morning, is again leading up to, uh, to bringing in those who become new members of our fellowship that um, the Apostle Paul describes the church as, as a body, a body with mem- many members, many parts, a body that's, that's united, a body that has equal concern one for another, and a body that has spiritual gifts. And each one of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a gift. Believe it or not, you have at least one gift. Many of you have several gifts. And we need the gifts because through the gifts we, we grow. Through the gifts we, we serve the church. The church grows through the gifts, but never, ever, ever make the gifts our primary focus. Not about the gifts. Yes. The Apostle Paul is saying, yes, pursue. Pursue your spiritual gift. Develop your spiritual gift. Use your spiritual gift. But 1231, he says, and now I will show you something a lot better than the gift. (laughs) I want to show you the most excellent way. And the most excellent way is love. Love is the most excellent way. So if you're not already there, 1 Corinthians 13 is where we're going to spend the next few minutes. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. So Paul develops this. He says, if I speak in tongues, the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What does that sound like, you know? So without love, that, that's what I sound like. Noise. Noise. Just noise. And he goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I'm not very good at math, never have been. But I'm pretty sure there's nothing less than nothing. (laughs) Nothing less than nothing. Think about that. I am nothing without love. And he goes on to say, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Wow. I could make the ultimate sacrifice. I could die a martyr's death. But if I don't love, then there's no eternal value. Wow. I need love. We need love. But what is it? What is love? If this is something that, that we all so need, what is it? Well, we know love is more than just words, right? It's more than what you might say or might write on your, you know, the Valentine's card to the one you, you love. And it's more than just those deep feelings, emotions, the warm fuzzies you might have for another person. That's all part of love, absolutely. But this is God's love. And God's love is action. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. He died for us. If we love, we'd be willing to die for others. Wow. That's real. <laughs> Love is tangible. You can, you can grab it. You can see it. You can feel it. It's incredibly practical. God loves us. If we love God, then we will love others. That's just the way it works. If you claim to know God and love God, you will love your brother. So what does loving your brother look like? And this brings us to this very familiar passage, a passage that you've heard many times if you've ever been to a wedding. This is the one that's usually read, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. One of the books that I read on my sabbatical was Invitations from God. I highly recommend that. Invitations from God by Adele Alberg Calhoun. And 
the author developed um, some questions to kind of go along with these verses. And I thought they're really helpful to show the character and the depth of our love. So we look at the first one that Paul brings out. He says, this is love. Ready? Love is patient. The question is, can we wait? Can we wait? No, God doesn't rush. God doesn't hurry. God doesn't push. He doesn't demand. He doesn't force. He doesn't look at the clock. Why do I? Why do I do that? So this is my lesson that God had to teach me during my sabbatical. Believe it or not, I can be controlling. Yep. So when I attempt to control others, I am not loving them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, God. Because I confess. I confess that I want situations to turn out according to my plan. I want people to do things the way I believe they should be done. I want to be in command of the control center. There was a little acronym we had to learn in coaching. W-A-I-T, wait. Why am I talking? It's a good one. I use it often now. Right? About half sentence going, what am I doing? Why am I talking? Why do I have to tell my story? Why does it have to be about me again? Can I we wait? Is our love for others patient? Is our love for others patient? Love is kind. When are we kind? Busy people can get going so fast, they have no time to see anything except what's on their plate. Been there? Mm, This is my lesson. I can be really nice. But being nice isn't necessarily kind. See, I had to ask myself, do I really care about the person I'm with? Not that I'm being nice to the person I'm with, but do I care about the person I'm with? Am I doing what I do because I want their absolute best? Or is it because I need to feel better about myself. You know, this past week, I saw so many acts of kindness, genuine kindness. It was everywhere during shoulder to shoulder. Absolutely amazing. But I have to ask myself, how about tomorrow morning? What's going to happen tomorrow morning? Will we be intentionally kind? Kind to our co-workers, kind to the grumpy boss, kind to the people that we're supposed to be serving. Will you be kind to your parents if you still have them? Children, youth, will you be, what about that? Parents, will you be kind to your children? Love is kind. You can't get around that one. Love doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it is not proud. So are we fixating on what we don't have? Are we truly grateful for what we do have? Are we truly grateful for what we do have? And can 
Can we let our good deeds, our accomplishments and achievements go unspoken? Hmm. Here's my lesson. I don't listen very well. Yeah. I need hearing aids. This is true. Those of you who've been around me the last few months, wow, you don't hear anything. So I'm hoping to get those soon. But that's no excuse. I'm not talking about that kind of hearing. Again, in coaching, we're trained to ask questions and listen to what the person is really saying. Seek to understand them, their desires, their dreams, their goals. You know, God showed me that, oh, yeah, I was often listening, but I'm listening to try to form my response. So, yeah, you done yet? Because I, I got something to say back to you. Or I'm listening because I need to fix you. Yeah, I'm going to try to fix you. That's how God made me, right? Um, And what may seem kind of helpful in the moment, but unless my motive is right, unless I'm really being led by the Holy Spirit, that is not loving. I had to face that. That's not loving. So how about you? How about you? you? Can you let it go? Can you, as Pastor Chris just said, can you deflect the praise? Can you love with no strings attached? That's God's love. That's agape love, isn't it? That's unconditional love. Or is there always something in it that, "Mm, I got to get something out of this before I can really fully give you the love you deserve? Hmm. Love is not rude. (laughs) Love isn't rude. Do we run around doing and saying whatever pops into our head? Jokes, jabs. How about a good dose of sarcasm? Everybody guilty of that one? Do we practice the golden rule, right? Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Do we do that all the time? Or only when it's to our advantage? God's love is extremely considerate. Isn't it? Never, never root. Always consider it. What's really best for the person I'm engaging with in the moment? Love is never self-seeking. Can we give someone else the praise and honor we believe is due us? Well, that's a hard one. I mean, I'm back in third grade, and I got the answer. I got the answer. You know, pick me, pick me. Never picks me. Always Sally. And she gives the answer, and she's right. So good. Nobody knows that I know everything. Until math class again, right? I don't have my hand up. Henry? Oh. Why would you do that? You don't like me. Again. Love is never self-seeking. And we laugh at that as a ch- with children, but, but as adults? What's that look like? Love is not easily angered. Mm, that could be a hard one, can it? Do we snap at others, yell at the kids, keep a record of slights, or serve out our red-hot anger up cold? Mm, anger. Now, I'm not talking about righteous anger. 
like Jesus had, where you were really upset about injustice, something being bad to the in, being done to the innocent, or those that they are being taken, you know, being taken advantage of. No, that's not it. We're talking about selfish anger. It's really revealing of the heart because it basically takes me back to lesson one again. I'm out of control. I don't like it. I'm not the center of attention. I'm a two-year-old in Walmart having a tantrum. Ugly, isn't it? It's ugly. It's not, not loving. So, Paul goes on. Love. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. All right? All the stuff that love isn't. All right? Doesn't doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Do we speak the truth? Do you speak the truth? Even, this is the hard part, even when it puts you in unfavorable light. Lesson. There are times when speaking truth is not very comfortable for me. And I love to be comfortable. And God had to show me that one. That deep personal growth, mine and others, is usually not found in my comfort zone. Speaking the truth in love will require that I have to say hard things. Speaking the truth in love will require that I have to sit and listen to hard things. Go back to listening again. Confrontation. Not condemnation, right? Confrontation because you love somebody so much. You have to tell them the truth because you so want them to be in a good place. And what do I do? Oh, they'll hear from somebody else. Oh, it's not that important. Oh, I'll let it go. In fact, if I really love them, I won't say anything because I'm just the nice guy. No. No. Speak. Speak the truth in love. Rejoice in the truth. Rejoice in the truth. Love. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Do you get the always in there? Love never fails. Underline that one. Never, ever fails. So do we easily give up on people? Last lesson. I got many more to learn, but the one (laughs) last lesson for today that God had to show me. I am a leader, but I'm not always a servant leader. I had to come to that realization. The Lord showed me that leading, shepherding, being a pastor, I should always strive to encourage, to equip, and to empower. Always. It should be my goal. I don't need to do it. I don't need to get the glory for it. I need to find you and encourage you, equip you, whatever that looks like, and empower you. To be the absolute best you can be for the glory of God. 
I mean, that, and that's my heart's desire. Believe me, it is. Going forward, I want to do that so much more. And you can call me up short when you see that I'm not. I want to, to do whatever I can to protect you, who you are, your identity in Christ as a person. I want to do all I can to believe you, to take you at your word, to trust you. I want to do all I can to give you hope. Not a hope so pie in the sky thing someday, but your hope in Jesus Christ and who you are in Him. Hmm. Eternal hope. Confidence. And I will never, I don't ever want to give up on you. No matter what you do, no matter what you do to me, I don't want to give up on you. God doesn't give up on us. I don't want to give up on you. Because that's the loving thing to do. Verse 13, 2, again, he said, If I don't have love, I am nothing. I am nothing. But here it is. This is the glorious good news. You ready for this? I am not without love. And you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not without love. God is love. We are God's. And nothing, nothing, back to nothing again, right? Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Nothing. That's Romans 8, 39. He began a good work in us and he will carry it to completion in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. He is changing me. He is changing you. He is transforming us into the image of his son, into Jesus Christ. And through us, I don't understand why, but through us, he loves others. We can love others. If you're here today, there's a verse for you, and you've heard it, I'm sure, before. In John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. If you don't know yet, personally, the love of God, oh, I invite you today. I invite you today to accept the love that God has for you. Recognize that you are lost. You, like all of us, are a sinner. You're lost in your sin. And he came and he died on that cross to pay for that sin. He shed his blood because he loves you that much to forgive you your sin, to cleanse you completely, to make you whole. And if we come to that point to say, yes, that's me. I am a sinner. And I believe you, you alone are the Savior. Please forgive me. I receive you as Savior. I want to live the rest of my life with you being my Lord. Thank you for loving me. I will try to love you the rest of my life. If that's your desire today, don't wait. Don't wait. If he's speaking to your heart, say yes. Accept his invitation. Accept his invitation to you. Come. Come into the family. Know me. 
and be known. And in just a couple minutes, we're going to play a song. And while that's playing, if you want to come up and talk to me, if you want to talk to one of the other pastors, you want to talk to the person next to you, I encourage you, don't, don't wait. Why would you wait? Why would you wait to experience the most wonderful thing in all of your life, in all of your eternal life, is to know the love of God? The last verse of this chapter is the one we close with, and it says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. One day, the most articulate faith will be fact. One day, the most glorious hope will be present reality. Only the most excellent thing will remain. And that's love. It is the one thing you can take with you from this life into the next. Here's this passage again from the message. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself upon others. Isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel with the other's grovel, takes pleasure in flowering truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going to the end, love never dies. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, And the best of those three is love. So I thank God this morning for all the lessons that he continues to teach me. I thank him for his incredible love. I thank you for your patience and your grace in the process of me growing up. And I thank you most of all for your love. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you and I thank you so much. Thank you so much for the privilege, Lord, of knowing you. Man, so undeserving. Yet you love me and you save me and I am your child and we are your children. We are your people. And we... We don't have the words, Lord, except to say we love you. We love you. You are worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all of our love. For now and forever. Amen. Amen.